Hey, good afternoon, sir. Can you hear me okay? I can. How's it going, Jeremy? <laughs> uh, you know, living the dream. It's been pretty much uh, nonstop for us. <laughs> You're not stopping. Yeah, I love it. It's an interesting race, isn't it? Well, uh, there's the campaign, but there's everything else that's going on just in the day to the day of the uh, city council business. And especially with COVID and the pandemic, it doesn't make anything easier for any of us. Has it been one of the most challenging times for any councillor right now? Oh gosh, I think this is probably one of the, the most challenging times to be in politics, period, for, for anybody. I'm just glad I'm not in uh, Premier Kenny's shoes today, at least. Right. <laughs> With that letter he got, he got sent, oof. Yes. I got a few questions here. Um, let's start with, why are you running? <laughs> That's a million dollar question, right? <laughs> uh, I would say I'm running for city council as mayor for the same reason I ran the first time, was to restore opportunity for Calgarians. My focus is really jobs, the economy, economic prosperity. And the reason that I'm in the city in the first place is my family, my father, he escaped communist Hungary in 1956 as a refugee. He could have gone anywhere in the world, but my family at the time chose Canada, they chose Alberta, they chose Calgary. And they knew even then, if they could make it here, they could make something for themselves, for their family, for others. And it was by far the best choice that they could have ever made. So for me, my own experience, I grew up in East Calgary and Dover, put myself through school doing welding, construction, framing. My first job was delivering flyers in Forest Lawn. I uh, made blizzards at the local Dairy Queen and helped put myself through school and uh, help my family pay the bills. But the kind of story I have, being one of the first in my family to finish high school, one of the first to finish university, that's not the exception in a place like Calgary. I would argue it's the rule. And when I think about everything that I do, it's really in that spirit of giving back. This city, this province, this country has been so good to me, so good to my family. And I knew that uh, I really had a moral obligation to put my name forward. So the reason I'm running is to try to get Calgarians back to work and hopefully unleash our, our, our city's true potential. And I think that uh, the best days are gonna be ahead of us. And uh, right now the challenges that we have, I think are momentary, but we can turn this around as long as we have uh, fresh leadership, new ideas, and really that focus and that mandate to be able to get things back on track. What kind of a leader does Calgary need going forward? I think Calgary, Calgarians need somebody who's going to listen. I think right now we have a city hall that's quite out of touch uh, with reality and out of touch with the everyday challenges that Calgarians are going through. And when it comes to listening, I've really made that a big priority in my own uh, time as a councillor. And I think we're nearing about 50 different town hall events where ever since I was elected, I would commit to being face-to-face -face with my constituents at least once a month where anybody and everybody could ask uh, me any question. And it was, it's just probably the highlight of my time as a counselor, getting to listen and hear firsthand from Calgarians, not just the challenges that they're going through, but also the opportunities. And I'd be the first to admit uh, that I'm never the smartest person in the room. And I've been so, so, so fortunate to be surrounded by such a great team of people, volunteers on our campaign, as well as Calgarians more generally, who have uh, stepped up to, to assist us in such a big way. They're all cops. They love you. And they're like a Farkas fan. Well, I've been strongly advocating for public safety. That doesn't mean giving the, the police a, a free pass. I think that on the one hand, we can hold our police accountable, but on the other hand, also ensure that they have the resources that they need to be able to do the job. And I think some of this uh, 
defund or abolish the police um, ideology. It's just not been helpful. It's not been helpful given the challenges that we're going through and that type of uh, political divisiveness, I think needs to be rejected. I think, again, we, we can focus on supporting our good cops, holding our bad cops accountable and ensuring that uh, at the end of the day, every Calgarian is safe. And that's been a real strong push uh, for my time in council is, again, go hard on the bad cops, support the good cops and uh, really give them the, the resources that they need to do their job. And when you think about funding, it's not, uh, it's, again, it doesn't mean giving them a free pass. Like I strongly support funding in order to be able to implement say HR reforms to ensure that uh, new police who come onto the service are uh, of more diverse backgrounds, but also investing in things like the uh, body-worn camera program. Things like this uh, serve to both protect the public, but also to protect uh, the police officers themselves when it comes to uh, conflicts. Jeremy, I don't know if you've heard this, but at times people say, well, if we pick Farkas, we're looking back 20 years, not forward. How can we clarify it for Calgarians that you're not looking back and trying to bring Calgary back to what it was, but you're trying to, what we have, move forward? Well, through my time on council, I've been pushing uh, very strongly uh, for progressive things like uh, opening up city council's meetings to ensure that there's less secrecy involved in, in major decisions. I've pushed hard for cutting edge things like actually publishing city council's voting record and how city councillors and the mayor have voted on certain issues. And you know what, I haven't supported the, the council agenda when it comes to say, uh, raising taxes on families and struggling businesses. And I did vote against say the seven and a half percent tax hike that they put through during the, the COVID pandemic the last year. So no, I haven't supported some of the, the big government, the, the huge tax increases in the spending, but I have worked hard to be able to collaborate uh, with my colleagues when there is common ground. Say, for example, working closely with uh, Drew Farrell, who is quite different uh, politically from me, but advocating for things like uh, giving Calgarians a voice in voting on the Olympics, as just an example. Mm -hmm. So I, I do believe I, I have a record of success and collaboration with uh, my colleagues, even uh, relatively recently co-sponsoring a motion with uh, Mayor Nenshi to uh, restore the city of Calgary's summer student program. So there's a lot of areas that I've worked closely together with the other councillors where there is the common ground and I'm always looking for the common ground. But when it comes to our future, I think we need to get back to basics. We need to ensure that uh, we're restoring business friendly policies that uh, don't just show the world, but tell our young people, especially that Calgary is the place for their future. Calgary is the place for them to be able to innovate and try their new ideas. And I'm very concerned about the direction that we're going. So when we think about the last uh, 20 years, it's been a lot of tax increases, not a lot for Calgarians to show for it. And during this mayor's tenure, uh, Calgary has gone from arguably one of the best places on earth to be able to uh, start a business and find a job to, to one of the worst. So I think that we need to do things differently. And then lastly, just in terms of uh, me, myself and who I'm about, Look, uh, I'm one of the youngest city councillors ever elected. And if I am fortunate uh, in October in this election, I'd probably be the youngest mayor in 133 years. I'm also the, the first openly LGBTQ city councillor. So in many ways, uh, I do believe uh, I can help work hard to represent the diversity that uh, uh, Calgarians are looking for on this council. What was your thoughts on our city guide book? And do you believe we should have waited until October to revisit? So the city of Calgary has this big process called the guidebook and I wouldn't uh, 
blame anyone for not knowing the term because rightfully so during this pandemic, people and their families have been focused on just trying to make it through the day. But quietly and all along, City Hall has been working on this big plan to basically revolutionize how it approaches development. And there's been a lot of concerns about the rushed process, as well as uh, basically pushing density into single family neighborhoods where it otherwise uh, might not belong or uh, might not belong to the, the extent that uh, uh, the, the city hall bureaucrats and planners are, are asking. And we're seeing some of the fallout of this more ideological approach to planning, even just as recently as the uh, Shim family with uh, the Dairy Queen off Center Street, because they wanted to uh, rebuild their drive through. Uh, the, the planners at the time had basically said this doesn't fit their vision for um, what they want to see off of Center Street. And it's very sad because it's a family that worked for many years contributing to the community. And after such a tragedy with their building burning down, they just wanted to rebuild. They had a dream and they wanted to contribute. But the City Hall vision uh, judged their dream and uh, found it lacking, which is just unfortunate. And I did not support the guidebook in its current form because I don't think that it's people focused. At the end of the, the, the day, these uh, planning systems, they need to deliver for Calgarians. And I think our families, our businesses need to be front and center rather than the politicians or bureaucrats telling us how we should live their lives. And that's not to say that uh, we shouldn't have choice. Say if you're younger, more urban professional, and you want to live in the downtown or a high rise, things like that, you should, you should have that option for yourself. But say if you're a younger family, just starting out, you have kids, uh, pets, dogs, something like that, and you're looking for the space for them to, to grow, you should have that choice as well. But it should be up to you to choose what uh, type of life you want to live for yourself and not have the government uh, telling you uh, what the right choice is. What are your thoughts on revitalizing downtown and its latest strategy, I guess? So the, the current city hall approach of tax and spending and slush funds, it's very obvious it hasn't worked. And I didn't support the, the 200 million being shoveled into the downtown because in my view, it's more of that pick and, picking winners and losers approach where you're taxing existing businesses to death and then you're trying to use those funds to uh, entice people to come. It just hasn't worked and that type of economic development strategy, it hasn't worked for the last 20 years and it's not going to work going forward. So my approach to this was taking a look at, well, what is preventing downtown success and what is stopping say residents and businesses from operating there? And one of the number one concerns I heard was around safety. So when you have city council debating things like supporting defunding the police and restricting the police budget, causing the police to uh, close their downtown police station, at the same time as the drug site was opened, this is sending the exact wrong signal. Uh, so there's a lot of people right now that just don't feel safe in the downtown. And our Cal Calgary is actually the only major North American city without a uh, brick and mortar downtown police station. So I would have much rather to see that uh, those resources be invested in safety improvements. Another piece is around helping those residents and businesses who are facing say the collateral damage of operating near the drug site. So they're facing huge uh, security and safety expenses that make it very impractical for them to continue to operate. And I believe that if the government's gonna decide to allow those operations say, across the street, there's an obligation from the government to make sure that uh, all residents are supported through that. Another, another, another piece to this is also just the high cost of parking. So Calgary, again, is one of the uh, 
highest cost jurisdictions uh, in North America when it comes to parking prices. And it just sends us very conflicting signals to say, well, come on down to downtown and, and see what it's all about. But on the other hand, making it so expensive for people to do so. And then there's more on the ground level things like say, bike lanes taking away uh, parking spaces and loading zones for local businesses. Uh, very confusing conversions to one way. In my view, there's a number of different things that we could have done to be able to assist uh, residents and businesses in the downtown without that heavy handed government approach. And then the biggest one is gonna have to be expenses in terms of the cost of operating. So when there's such wild swings in taxes and increases in taxes for businesses, people are typically not wanting to operate in the downtown if there's that level of volatility and they'll consider elsewhere in the city or it just not in the city period. So that's another piece. And then probably the last one, and I've advocated for this uh, very strongly in my time, is security from a flood standpoint. So in 2013, uh, we bounced back, uh, roaring bigger and better than ever. But that was because there was the business confidence in our city. And we need to ensure that we're continuing to invest in infrastructure that protects our downtown, that ensures that if people do choose to spend the money to uh, live or to run their business downtown, that that investment is secure. So again, rather than that uh, big slush fund approach where that current 200 million is to hire new staff, to have a granting program for people to apply to, I would have much rather got back to basics, focus on the affordability, keep it safe, keep it secure, and let government get out of the way so that uh, people can make the decision for themselves. If you're chosen as mayor, would you bring subsidies to the small businesses that have just got annihilated through all of this or how so I think it's the job of uh, city council to be picking winners and losers in, in private business. I would much rather have lower, uh, fairer tax system rather than complicated systems or schemes for certain businesses to be eligible for and other businesses not to be eligible for. I, I believe that uh, when you think about the subsidy and slush fund, uh, approach that's been uh, focused on by council in recent years. It's just not worked. I think that we need a fair, easy to understand tax system where everybody benefits from the same relief. So uh, whether you're a small business or a big business, we need to ensure that Calgary is open for businesses of every size. So uh, while I would strongly be advocating for relief uh, for our small businesses, because they're the ones who, who uh, pull the freight uh, for a city budget, I would much rather be focusing on reducing our spending as the way to be able to, uh, to provide that relief. How will we get Calgarians back to work once things are normal, a new normal? What are your thoughts? Well, well that's, the, that's a very <laughs> tough question. And I wish I had a crystal ball in terms of how exactly Calgarians will be working. So when you think about COVID, the pandemic, it's changed a lot about, uh, uh, about, society about how we live our lives, but it's also changed work. So there's a lot of the work from home arrangements, telecommuting, Zoom calls. A lot of people are sick and tired of it, but I think some of this is gonna be here to stay, at least in the short term. So I think the city council needs to be anticipating that. Uh, but when it comes to making sure that we have a business friendly environment, I think that it means reducing red tape, streamlining approvals, making sure that uh, we can get to a yes as quickly as possible. Because as we think about emerging from this pandemic, every other city, every other province, every other country is going to be competing for that investment and our talent. 
So we need to bring our best game possible. And the way that we can do that is through the cost and affordability. And we need to get our budget under control as priority number one in order to be able to ensure that Calgary remains an affordable place to live, not just for residents and taxpayers, but also business owners and entrepreneurs. Thank you, Jeremy. All right, just a few more questions here. What are your thoughts on our city's art programs, such as purchasing the Blue Ring or not completing the arena or having issues with the arena and the green line? What are your thoughts on all of that? So our art program has been an embarrassment to Calgarians. When you think about how much money, how many millions of dollars are going out the door, basically for what? And when I'm out in the community, I'm chatting with people, people do see the the value proposition for having a lively art scene, for supporting our local industry, supporting our local artists. And they see that as being fundamental to, to attracting, especially young talent to want to live in Calgary and stay here. But things like uh, the giant blue ring up on the side of the road, up at the airport, that's anything but uh, a lively art scene. It's money that's going out the door to, I believe it was a German art collective. And how much more could that funding have got us if it was supporting our local artists, giving them the, the opportunities. So I do believe that our, art, art, uh, our public art program should be suspended during uh, hard economic times. And at a time when uh, say residents got seven and a half percent property tax increase last year, I just don't think that uh, these huge increases to our public art program are justified. So I would rather be scaling back those uh, expenses and ensuring that we're focusing on either giving property tax relief or again, adequately supporting our essential services like uh, police and fire. On the issue of the arena, uh, I did not support the uh, arena deal when it came to a vote on council, just because of the rushed process and the lack of consultation. The city taxpayers got, I believe, five days to review the, pro uh, the proposal, and not all of the proposal was actually uh, given publicly. So it's hard to even ask Calgarians, well, what do you think? And uh, by the way, there's a lot of this that uh, we can't tell you about, but trust us. I don't think that that's the way that uh, we should do business, at least with public money. Then, then another concern I had was with the real risk of cost overruns and the lack of uh, coverage, say, in the event of a flood. So city taxpayers are going to be on the hook to, to replace the building in full if uh, the, the building is damaged or uh, destroyed in the event of another flood. And I consider that to be just an uh, uh, impossible position to, to put taxpayers in. And you know what? I don't, take any, uh, I don't take any privilege in being right, but now we're seeing some of the recent reports about the, the programming requirements of the arena uh, being out of scope of the current budget, which is just <laughs> a fancy way for government to say over budget. And my position is, you know, in this town, a handshake is a handshake and a deal is a deal. I believe city council should uh, work tirelessly to deliver the uh, original project at the original price tag. And at this point, uh, it's completely unjustified to put any more uh, public money into this project to be able to bail it out. I think that we need again to deliver what was originally promised at the original price tag. And I would not support additional public funds uh, to, to this project. And then lastly on the green line, I know a lot of people uh, strongly support the green line and, and so do I, but I support the green line that was originally promised to Calgarians from the far north to the far south. And because of a, a number of different issues, council has uh, increased the price tag and reduced the, the length of the line to a point that it's uh, very impractical. It's about five and a half billion dollars for 
uh, only to go from essentially Peter's drive-in in the north to, to Shepherd. It doesn't get those cars off of the Deerfoot. It doesn't get uh, to the airport. It doesn't get to um, Mackenzie Town or all these places that uh, need to see transit. So I do support the, uh, the review that the province is undertaking just from the business case standpoint, but also the engineering is really important. There's a huge segment in the downtown, which could potentially uh, expose taxpayers to extreme risk in terms of just the geology and what's, uh, what's underneath in terms. So I, I just, I do not support the current proposal, at least uh, how it was presented to city council. I think that we need to do a lot more work to ensure that uh, what we're proposing can actually be built. Jeremy, we have all these committees out there for ending homelessness in our city or reducing it. Yet millions of dollars are spent a year keeping you know individuals in their cubicles safe and comfortable. Well, if you go by the drop-in, there's quite a bit of people out there. Why is this happening? And why can't we utilize the money appropriately for these individuals that are seriously dealing with mental health issues? So it's, it's a really important issue. And I think that we need to be proactive uh, when it comes to mental health and addictions and those supports. And I did sign on to the, the city of Calgary's mental health and addiction strategy as a way to be proactive on this. I do think that our focus needs to shift to recovery and treatment to be able to assist those individuals who do need the assistance. And when it comes to uh, the housing components, I believe that we could do a much better part, job of partnering with the private sector to be able to deliver on projects like this, where it's not just uh, moving at the speed of government and government delivering uh, uh, housing at what is very likely a much higher cost than if the private sector was involved. So there's a number of different ways that we can be involved here with the understanding again, that uh, housing is, and healthcare are provincial responsibilities. But I would want to, in my role, uh, to continue to be uh, as collaborative as possible with the provincial government to make sure that uh, we can arrive to a win-win. If you're elected, what would be your first policy priority and what would be your first 100 days or what would your first 100 days look like? Well, it's been so fantastic actually listening, learning and going uh, on a bit of a listening tour to be able to hear from Calgarians. Right now we're in the process of uh, uh, shaping that up. And I'd, I'd encourage anybody who's interested in uh, my record to actually just go to our website, www jeromy.ca. And one of the best ways that uh, you can uh, understand where I'd like to go is to actually take a look at what my record is and what the things I've advocated for in the past have been. But I would say for this new mayor and council, our economic recovery needs to be job number one. We'll be uh, elected, or we'll, we will be electing this uh, council in mid-October, and then in November, we're going to be jumping into the next budget cycle. So we're going to have to uh, set the budget, set the tax rate in a way that's actually competitive and offering relief to, to Calgarians. And that would have to be the, the job number one. But there's a lot going on all at once. And uh, uh, I would also want to make sure that I'm listening and learning and collaborating with the other councillors. So we, we have, I believe, it's, it's really a once in a generation opportunity where seven, eight, maybe nine uh, new councillors, including the mayor, may be elected. So I think that we need to come together as a team and really focus on, on that mandate. And when it comes to 14 different wards, 14 different councillors elected for often 14 different reasons. So it's going to have to be being that uh, uh, team maker and that collaborator to be able to bring those visions together and to make sure that uh, uh, every councillor has the opportunity to bring forward the ideas that uh, they've been hired on. Jeremy, why should Calgarians vote for you to become our next mayor? So the, I would say that I have what no other candidate does, which is credibility. 
every election, candidates will come up and they'll talk to you about financial responsibility. They'll talk to you about transparency, all of these things. And you know what? It sounds good, but unless you have the credibility and the knowledge about how to execute, as well as the record of having delivered that, it's meaningless. So I think back to when Mayor Nenshi was elected, he said all of the right things in terms of, again, transparency, financial responsibility. But when he was elected, I would argue that Calgarians saw him deliver the opposite of those things. Whereas I have a record of advocating for my constituents, for advocating for financial responsibility, for advocating for transparency, and I've been able to deliver on those things. So there's other people who are running that, uh, frankly, I think that for, if you're coming from the outside without an understanding of how the system works, without an understanding of the bureaucracy, you're just gonna get snowballed. I think that uh, as well-intentioned as you are, if you don't know the system and know how it works, that uh, you're just gonna get absorbed by it. And I've proven that through often very challenging decisions like declining the, the generous golden pension that's available to counselors, I've proven that I know enough about how the system works without being absorbed and taken over by it. So from day one, I don't need any uh, training wheels. I don't need any on-the-job training. I can actually execute on these ideas and these plans because I've been in these meetings. And again, the contrast to the other candidates who, who might be on council is credibility. They're all going to be talking about financial responsibility, but who is there voting for the secret meetings? Who is there voting for the tax increases? And what I can say is that it wasn't me. I've been advocating again uh, for controlling our budget, for getting Calgarians back to work, for transparency, all of these things consistently. It's not just a new position that I've taken because I'm looking to, to be reelected. Right. Well, do you have any other messages for Calgarians, Jeremy, before we end this? <laughs> I would just say get involved, you know, um, municipal elections typically have a lower voter turnout than at the provincial, the, the federal level. And it's the level of government that impacts us the most. This is a once in a generation opportunity that uh, we're faced with. Obviously, it comes with challenges, but it's hardly any election that I can remember that you have a new mayor and maybe six, seven, eight nine new counselors. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a, it's just an incredible opportunity for us to be able to chart a better course and to be able to elect financial responsibility, transparency, and get Calgarians back to work. So I'm working hard to uh, earn your support. And if at any time I can be of help, you can just uh, check out our website. It's www.jeromy.ca. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today, Jeremy. Yeah, thanks for the chance. I, I so appreciate the opportunity. So often we're uh, only given uh, very short sound bites, and it's very nice to have the, the time to be able to, to expand and, and provide my thoughts and my own words. Absolutely. Well, have a good day and uh, stay healthy and stay safe during this time. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I, I uh, just signed up for the Ironman 70.3 come, uh, come early August. So now I'm just thinking, well, dang, the, the swimming pools aren't open, but got to get out on the bike and get back to running and just to keep, keep a healthy balance, right? It can't just be all work all the time. How many KM do you do? So you, you run, uh, you swim about 2000 meters in the lake and then you bike about 90 kilometers and then you run about 20 K. And, you know, obviously I'm going to be so absorbed by the campaign come, uh, come the summer, but it's just a great way to get out there to see people and to, to balance off uh, the work. And I think a lot of people are real sick and tired of being cooped up inside oh my god imagine uh, blowing no off the steam, eh? just full force in that yeah you're gonna feel good <laughs> yes all right jeremy we'll chat soon sounds good thanks Zach. Okay. cheers yeah.